Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. Yes, and we continue our series of conversations on divorce busters with our Open House human condition guru, Lynn Worsley. This is an approach that's been quite stunningly successful in saving lots of marriages, and I reckon offers lots of really helpful insights for anyone who's married or for that matter, even contemplating marriage. Lynn, welcome back. Thanks. So tell us where we're heading this week. Okay, we're looking at some of the skills that are needed in good marriages and also skills needed to turn a marriage around from the brink of divorce to a healthy relationship. And that can be done. It can be done. It's no small kind of challenge. It can be done. It's probably worth recapping briefly where we've been over the last couple of weeks. My wife came across a woman this week who was kicking herself that she tuned in too late last week to catch you. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Or you can podcast it. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Good idea. Yes. (laughs) Now, if if you look at what we did last um, last week was we looked at how relationships um, come from, you know, a good relationship comes from having a, a beginner's mind when you have hitches and reactions to your partner. Now, a beginner's mind is when you have the chance to approach a problem with a, a possibility thinking rather than dredging up the old problems which have never been resolved. Yeah. Um, it was also evident in, re- in relationships that have made it to the final stu- two stages of a good relationship that they're a lot of problems haven't been resolved. So it's a bit of a myth to try and resolve everything. In fact, there are many problems that are just unresolvable. Okay. Um, and the key here is that you have a response to the problem, but not a reaction to the problem. So it doesn't mean the problems overwhelm the marriage. That's right. Yeah, even if they can't be resolved. That's right. So you don't react to this unresolvable problem, but you have a response to them. Now, just to distinguish between the re- response and a reaction, a reaction sees the problem as a personal affront and it brings back the past issues and the unresolved problems with hurt and attack, and it has a closed mind, a reaction. Okay, yes. A response sees that the problem is just something that's happened that needs to be simply and purely solved as though it happened for the first time and it's never had any history. So a response has the approach of what we call a beginner's mind and it approaches a problem with an open and a curious thinking process. Now, if we can have those skills in our marriages, that would turn a lot of the issues around and it's been shown to actually practice that, brings a lot of marriages back from the brink of divorce. I don't pretend to underestimate the challenge of like wiping the slate clean. Yes. There's no baggage there. Yes, yes. But that comes with having a different response to a problem. Okay. So tell us how does some of these skills we need to turn the marriages around, how they work? Okay. First of all, you need to have a look at the sort of marriage you would like. Not prefer, not based on, I don't want this one, I prefer something different, but rather how would you actually like your marriage to be? Um, And if that happens, you know, you might say, you know, if a miracle happened and your partner and you had a marriage that you'd like, what would it look like? And when you sort of, you do that exercise, you see, you start to see that there's a goal and um, because it's not just about them being compatible and have it all sorted. It's more likely that they will have some sort of a goal that they can aim for. So it's not too late for them to ask that question. Never. Some people would say, well, you should have asked that before you got married. That's right. And I actually think it should be something that we ask all the time. How would we like our marriage to be? We're having an argument now. It's really annoying. You're you're driving me nuts. How (laughs) would I like our marriage to be instead rather than, you know, I I just want you to change? Yes. Um, So when you've got that goal, 
you can sort of you can come in and, and, and look at what you're doing from time to time as as aiming towards that goal. Now a lot of relationships have just sort of that go come and come and go sort of feel. And if you approach your relationship and your marriage as a come and go, you know, we were good for a while but then we drifted apart, you're not going to do very well. But if you have a goal in your marriage as to what it is that matters and what it is you like it to be, then basically you will see that your marriage is there for keeps and the stuff you do each day has a reason for being there. Yes. Now, if someone says to me, um, I don't want a nagging wife, uh, I'll say to them, well, what would you like instead? <laughs> um, they'd say, look, I want someone who can talk Get to me. Get off the back. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but they might actually say, I want someone who can talk to me and hear my opinion and we can discuss things. But be- when they say, I don't want a nagging wife, they basically will say that the wife will pull back. She won't actually respond to anything. So you just want me to shut up, do you? Of you course, know. yeah. But if they say, well, actually, I'd really like someone to talk to me and listen to my opinions, you're giving them some something constructive to do. Okay. So it's really important once you've got your goal in place that you start looking at some of the things that you'd like that to look like. Right. So I'd like to have a wife that would talk to me a bit more. Hmm. Um, so you need some practical goals, practical things that you might be able to do and you say in the positive. And keep measuring that Yes, in the best of all worlds yes. again. Yeah. So basically if someone says to me, I don't want this and I don't want that and this wouldn't be happening and this wouldn't be happening, I will always ask them, well, what do you want instead? Tell me what it would look like. Give me a picture of how it would be working instead and sh- and show me that. Do they often struggle to come up with that kind of answer? Yes, yeah, yes. Okay. But it's really important when you set goals, you set them in the positive. You don't put a, this won't be happening, we won't be like that. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I think is really important to know is that often couples come to a marriage with only their own parents in mind. So what yes. what they say is that I don't want you to be like my parents and I don't want to be like your parents and I don't want you to turn like your father and I don't want you to turn out like your mother. Now, that's none of that's helpful. So what do you want them to turn out like? What does that look like? And then we have our goal. We have a, a much more positive one. Now, look, I'll give you an example. Okay. Okay. Now, I'm, I have a, an example of a couple who were, their marriage is on the rocks. Pretty much they're, you know, they're ready. They're ready for the divorce courts. They're ready to separate. I sat them down and asked them what would be different. And they gave, you know, if, if you had the marriage that you wanted and, and things were the way you'd really like, what would be different? And they gave two very different responses. One said he'd be up in the mountains smoking pot and on the dole. <laughs> and the other one, she said that she'd like to live near the beach and she'd like to keep her profession going and she'd like to you know, have a really good career and have the kids with her and they'd have the beach lifestyle. Now, both admitted that each person was happier in those different environments. Mm. And they didn't want to compromise because there's a pretty major compromise in this one here. There's a large gap there. Yes. Now, both admitted they enjoyed each other in each of their zones. So she did enjoy him in his zone up in the mountain smoking pot. And she did enjoy her in in the zone of that career woman. And But they both couldn't sustain it for very long. How long? Probably a couple of weeks at the max. Okay. Um, so, but they had kids and they had a lot of people who would be affected if they separated. And they really still quite liked each other. But they didn't like the whole money, how money panned out because, you know, if he wants to be on the dole and she wants a career, they didn't really like where they wanted to live and she didn't like some of his choices. 
Um, but their best moments were when they're on holidays and they're away from both environments and they had a practical sort of, uh, you know, that was practical on holidays, but it didn't work on a practical sense. So when we sat down with the goal setting exercise, we looked at not just where they would live, but we looked at what they would be like and when their sense of self emerged. And that's at the point I could see they connected. They really liked who each other was when they talked about them in their own zone. So notwithstanding the continued gap between the two of them, mm -hmm. would you regard that as a successful outcome? I would regard that as a, a goal-setting exercise. Okay, the good. goal was that they really wanted to be in the zone of where they were flourishing, where they felt their sense of self and they had that connectedness. She liked him when he was in that zone. Mm. She liked her. Mm. He liked her when she was in that zone. But they couldn't sustain it for themselves. Okay, we've worked out our goals. So what do you do then? Because some of those goals might be unrealistic. <laughs> well, yes, but the important thing is that you have an idea of what each person would be like if the goals were happening. Okay. Um, and secondly, you start thinking about what sort of things you'd be doing differently if those goals were in place. So when we started in investigating that with that couple, that was quite interesting. And then we start looking at the actions and decisions that they would do when they are in the zone of being in a flourishing zone, where they're happier and yes. they're more content. And how would you structure the day? And how would you talk to each other when those goals are in place? Now, all of this is sort of still pie in the sky, but we're starting to look at some of the practical things of yep. how you relate. Um, and then you go into some small steps that might happen towards the goal. And that might simply be a smile as you walk past each other to your separate bedrooms. Or, I mean, yeah. or perhaps a gesture like a cup of tea in the morning and a little note to say, you know, I've left some milk in the fridge for you as a, as a gesture that would be sort of positive. Now, for the couple we mentioned earlier, we discussed some small steps that they could take towards their goal of connecting. And one of the questions was to ask or notice times when the goals looked like they might be happening, like little glimpses, um, and to capture the moments and to think about what happened in each of the glimpses. And for that couple, it was when each of them took time out to each other's place um, or went up to each other's spaces. And when each partner took time away from he or her preferred lifestyle and was with the others, they actually started to connect but the glimpses didn't last long. Okay. And when we explored it a bit more, the thought of how to make those glimpses last a bit longer was actually to move them to separate houses. So one actually decided to move to the mountains and have debt-free and could smoke pot all day if they wanted to. And the other at the beach had um, you know, a bit of a debt and had a you know, really good career and had the kids with her. But for them, the separate finances was something that really helped. And it meant that it stopped some of the battles. And also for them, where they were living meant that the kids, uh, you know, were quite clear where they would live most of the time. But they did enjoy going to back and forward from the two houses. So who would they largely live with? They'd actually, as the kids got older, they'd choose where they wanted to be. And then mm. because there was no arguments between the two, and they didn't actually have a separation or a divorce, they still were very healthy and happy and happily married. They had a really healthy sex life. They had very good family decisions that they made together. Um, the kids were quite well connected. It was just more like we've got our mountains house and we've got our beach house. Mm. And it worked. Now, this couple have been married for 30 years. 
like wow. this. With that arrangement. With that arrangement. Yes. It's worked. Now, I'm not advocating that this should happen all the time. No, 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 no. But it is a good solution instead of divorce. Yeah. Now, people were counselling them to be divorced when actually they had every reason why they just couldn't come up with another, you know, could come up with another arrangement. There's still a fair bit of separation involved, yes. which is like the kind of divorce thing and disruption for the kids. Sort of, but I think there would have been more disruption had they stayed in the one household yeah. because they would not have seen the parents connected and happy together. This way they were connected and happy together. Now, this is a very unique example, but it came from our goal-setting example and also looking at some of the ways that they could connect. And okay. it was a, a strategy that worked. What if the couple is so far from discussing it all that everything that gets talked about is a blo a brawl that's a blue that's based on you know how I'm reacting to you and you're reacting to yes, me yes and we have just a whole bundle of reactions yeah now this is when you bring in the next skill and that's um, it's time when I ask uh, what is it they want so it's actually to start thinking about how you talk to your partner and express what you want and many times I see people complain and poke and dig at each other and have disapproving tone with them and and that sends the other person into a reaction um, now, poking makes it difficult, but we all do it, all of us. But you can practice saying exactly what you want and making it clear, and it becomes less personal and a bit more easy to follow. So, for example, yeah. a reactive poke would be, it'd be nice if you could take the kids to school for a change instead of sleeping in. You know? <laughs> that's a reactive Destined poke. Destined for a great and reaction. And that's not actually... Yes. A request, it's just a statement pretty much that's there as a poke. A responsive poke is, um, can you take the kids to school tomorrow? I want to hang the washing on the line so we can have clean clothes for the weekend. Now, that's very clear. Can you take the kids to school tomorrow? That involves a yes or a no answer. Um, if it's a no, I can't, I've got something else on, then you know where you stand. So it's called responsive because there's a, there's a response inferred from that. Yes. It's not just a reaction. I'm putting a statement out there to bag you out. No. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm actually telling you exactly what I want and I'm moving us forward. That's the point, I think, to have some clarity. Okay, what do you want, as you're yes. saying? Yes, yes, yes. So basically, you know, if you give them – if you say what you want – then the other person knows where they stand. Okay, but asking for what I want can be sometimes difficult. What do I do if I don't know or mm. you don't know? Yeah, well, this step means that you actually try and think about exactly what you want and you need to know exactly what you want. Yep. Now, women multitask. You might have noticed that. Oh, and there's been some very amazing research, which I, I will go into in another I, time. You know, you watch me here. I multitask. <laughs> you do you multitask. You should see me at the other place. I don't place think too. I could do what, what you do. <laughs> yeah, some, some, yeah, lots of women do. Yes. Well, it's, been shown, it's shown that women have a brain that is formed that enables them to multitask. And they often don't know what they want till they're in the process of doing it. Um, and they also don't know what they think unless oftentimes they ha are actually speaking it. So that comes across as nagging and poking their mate and that's in their way of discovering what they really want. So I think you probably underestimated the force of what you've just said. <laughs> I think that could change the course of human relations. If, yes. If blokes actually got that. Yes. And if women understood where they where they were, so they're not actually knowing what they think unless they're 
hearing what talking. they're saying. Yeah, yes. yeah, talking about. Okay. So I say what I think and then I know what I think. Yeah. Um, men are, have one task at a time and they, that's the difference with them and they do things well and straight. Well, it's no nothing's better or worse in either of these. But they need to have clearer directions and have an idea of what's expected of them. So one of the best responses a man can do for a multitasking woman is to ask, what exactly are you trying to do and why? And that way she can establish what she really wants and he can see where he might be able to fit in. And it's a learning exercise for both of them. I think this is really helpful and it's very practical. Mm. Now, another skill, if you can imagine with that that is really irritating to try and get a balance in this and basically it's about trying to slow things down and if you've got a fast-paced life you can't get those questions out you just end up poking and nagging and escaping so it's really important that you take some time and uh, and learn to ask those questions um that brings us to the next point love languages Ah, yes. the skills of love languages are that love languages are about knowing that we have a different way of showing love and a different way of giving of receiving love each of us okay so you might receive love in a certain way but you probably show love in a different way yep and that doesn't mean that the, your mate will have the same love language as you and it's not necessarily that we're compatible in the same love languages generally people are not at all so basically what we need to do is to know what our mate's love language is and if you want to get their attention, get their attention in their love language. Okay. A couple of quick questions. What if there are such difficulties? I mean, all this is in the best of all possible worlds we've been dealing with. What if we're in a position where we just keep arguing over all these difficulties? Yeah. And basically what's happening is that you're going down what we call cheeseless tunnels. I don't know if anyone has read the I've book Who Moved Who Moved My Cheese and there's little mice running down after cheese in the same tunnel okay. and there's no cheese in that tunnel. And it's basically you're doing the same thing over and over again and you've got repetitive behaviours and that basically means you're nagging and nagging and nagging and telling and telling and telling and nothing changes. Well, basically... It's not working, so you need to do something different. And we need to look at changing a system, not the person. So when someone's arguing and there's difficulties, basically the system is objecting. So we need to look at the system between the couple and change that, not change the other person. Nothing wrong with them. It's the system that you've formed that makes it happen over and over again. Okay. How can one person do all the changes is, there, is that possible it, there is okay. and, and and oftentimes one person will give up and they'll take turns with giving up and I'm going to go through that a lot more next week mm. in terms of what do you do when your partner has given up on the marriage what do you do and how can you turn the marriage around and that's where we would say that you know it takes one to tango um, you can actually change things because when you're dealing with a system one person changing the system will change the system. Okay. Which and would take an utter act of generosity. Yes. But, and but and some smart moves. Yeah. But you say it is possible. It's very, very much possible. Good on you. You're so good as always. Lynn Worsley, thank you so much. I look forward to that conversation next week. And thanks for See having me. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.